Hi there, and welcome to the Wayback Music Machine podcast, the show that takes a light-hearted look at the week that was in rock and roll history. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. Aaron, where are we headed today? We're going to do something a little different for us, Tony. We're going to go to London and stay there for the entire road trip. Are you cool with that? I am very cool with that. So this is road trip number 52. Well, how about to start things off? We jump to May the 7th, 1968, and we're going to talk about a guy named Reginald Kenneth Dwight, although you might know him better as Sir Elton John. So we'll be right back. So, Tony, we're going to talk about Elton John, but we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We're going to talk about him going solo from a band that he was in in the 1960s called Bluesology. Um, So he made a decision, but maybe you could fill us in as to how and where he was when he made this decision, you know? Yeah, this is an interesting story, isn't it? He was was actually over top of the... uh, Atlantic when he made the decision and bluesology was kind of not really going anywhere. And he had decided that he was going to take a stab at doing a solo career. And um, obviously Reginald Dwight just wasn't lighting people's (laughs) imaginations on fire. So he decided he needed a new name and uh, he's sitting there in the cabin and the band's horn player was named Elton Dean and an idol of his named long John Baldry was also on board. And he had the idea uh, to combine those two names. And um, so he said, you know, he asked Elton and he asked Long John, can I use your names and, you know, make Elton John my stage name? And they approved. And sure enough, Elton John was born. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned Long John Baldry. Um, And first of all, what kind of name is Elton anyways? Have you ever heard of that name before? Like, have you ever come across an Elton, you know, like that's an interesting name, isn't it? Well, it's, it's like Elvis. Like, have you ever come across another Elvis <laughs> or another Elton, right? Good. Touche, touche. But Long John Baldry was not so much in North America. He was huge in the UK in the sixties, huge. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, you know, Elton John had, over his career, spoken so fondly of Long John Baldry that I think it's just important that we keep that name alive because um, he moved to Vancouver, I think, from England, and he spent the last few years of his life here in Canada, but uh, never made it over here as he did over in the UK. But anyways, I, I digress. But um, but you, you, he, Elton John... You've made a note here, so he got a scholarship at the Royal Academy of Music at age 11? Yeah, he demonstrated uh, talent really early on, you know, the ability to play by ear. I mean, he was picking stuff off at the piano age three, age four, and it was obvious there was something there, and uh, he ended up getting a scholarship to the Royal Academy of Music at, at the age of 11. That's just wild. Don't you think that's incredible? It, it is incredible. And then, uh, you know... Often what happens when you get musicians who've got these incredible ears, though, is they rely so much on that and, and they're able to, that they're able to cheat a little bit. And, they, and you know, so he, he cheated a bit learning his uh, piano music, right? Because he could play a lot of it by ear. And so he didn't put the effort and he said himself, he was not the most diligent of classical students, but he did learn a lot of stuff at the Royal Academy, but he left before his final exams, before he was done. 
it's I'm surprised he's that he's never done a classical album like Billy Joel and El, of course Paul McCartney's done several. Um, uh, Joe Jackson even did a classical album, but Alton hasn't done a classical, has he? I don't think so. And you know, out of those three, he's probably got more classical chops than either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he uh, no, he just got hooked with the rock and roll bug, and he decided this is for me and. Uh, his teachers do talk about him. They said, you know, he, he played all the time, but he was not the most diligent of uh, classical musicians. <laughs> that, that theme of people not being the most diligent students comes up quite a bit, don't you think? Oh, it absolutely does. Um, and Bluesology was a, a band that he had started when he was actually 13 with his neighbor. Uh, they actually went on to release two singles on the Fontana label, Come Back Baby, and I love this title, Mr. Frantic. And they did a third and final single for Polydor called Since I Found You, Baby. And I actually put Come Back, Baby on the Spotify playlist. Oh, fantastic. So can, I can't. Yeah, here early on, John. Um, but what's interesting is that he was also doing, in England, they had these things called Pickwick albums. And Pickwick records were, you know, hits of the, the time, but played by studio musicians. So you weren't getting the Beatles doing She Loves You, you're getting you know, people that sound like the Beatles. And he did a number of those albums as well, you know. Yeah, he was uh, working as a songwriter, right? He uh, mm-hmm. he responded to an ad. I mean, you can't talk Elton John without talking Bernie Taupin. Uh, and they met each other responding to a newspaper ad uh, looking for songwriters. And the two of them got together. And, you know, I, I find it fascinating that they still work the exact same way. Bernie writes down the lyrics on paper, gives them to Elton, and Elton sits at the piano and comes up with the music, and they still, 50-some years later, work exactly the same way. It's incredible. And he, and, and you know, after Bluesology, and by the way, they got their name from a Django Reinhardt album called Dylanology. Djangoology, not Dylan, Djangoology. But after all these years, I mean, Elton just recently... And I mean, I'm thinking March, maybe February, made number one in the UK with a with an album and a single. So he's still he's like McCartney, like he's still topping the charts. He doesn't get the airtime of the new songs like McCartney or or a lot of those other guys. But people buy the records. Hey, Tony, I have a question. Have you ever seen Elton John live? I never have. Have you? I saw him on the Too Low for Zero tour. I guess that would have been in '84, '85. And it was just him, a piano, and like a very scaled back. He wasn't wearing the outlandish costumes, mm-hmm. or but it was a good show. It was he sounded amazing. I, I was I'm surprised you never saw the Billy Joel and John. Show. Yeah, I never, never. I I've always wanted to, but I was never in like in Ottawa here, right? They just mm-hmm. I think they may have come here once, but uh, yeah, I'd I'd still love to see either one of those guys. But uh, I remember wearing out because I had it on cassette. Uh, for me, the Elton John album that spoke to me was his Live in Australia album. Mm, and classic, I, I, eh? I'm sure I bought that cassette at least twice because I wore it. <laughs> it was just just such an interesting album. And, you know, I found out later, because I never, I just heard the album. I never saw the video for it. Oh, okay. So I only recently, like this year, um, saw the video for it. I didn't realize that that was the last show that he wore the outlandish costumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, didn't he have the like the powdered wig on and the yeah uh, for the first half only? 
So that's I'm, right. You yeah. know what? We haven't used the bell in a while, so we should. I'm going to ring it right now because please let's let's ring the bell. Yeah, there we go. But uh, yeah, that was his last show, uh, wearing the the getup, and he only wore it for the first half of the show, and then changed into you know more regular duds in the second half. So very cool. Is that would that be your favorite Elton John album? I think it has to be because of the amount of times. I listened to it. I mean, I listened to that album thousands of times, literally. I just well, if you wore out a cassette, you sure did, yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, I even knew all the dialogue and everything when he was talking. I mean, I do you have a favorite song by Elton John? Not necessarily on that album, but do you have a favorite song? Oh, I mean, fifty years on, I love that song. Absolutely, mm. absolutely speaks to me. Um, Take me to the pilot. I mean, I love I love that really old stuff. What about you? Well, you know what? I think my favorite. It's weird. I have a strange fondness for um, Captain Fantastic and the Grand Dark Cowboy. Oh yeah, that's a great album. It's and you know what's funny in that album, the original copies came with like a scrapbook, and and in the scrapbook you can see the ad that he actually that that he responded to to write with with Bernie. Oh wow. Um, uh, I really, really like uh, Leave On. I think that's a great song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like uh, Someone Saved My Life Tonight. Oh, which, that is a fantastic that a, song. That's yeah. a great song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, and I, I, for very strange reasons, I like Nikita. I don't know. It, it kind of was a neat song at the time it came out. George Michael on backing vocals. Uh, and when they do Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me together, yeah, live, brilliant. wow. Yeah, wow. brilliant. Wow. Just wow. Fantastic, yeah. Yeah, that guy's collaborated with a lot of people too, but uh, what a career he's had. Well, how many records has he sold, Tony? Oh, my gosh. Well, I think, you know, the latest. They, they're saying over 300 million albums. That's nothing wow. to sneeze at for sure. That's... <laughs> I, I don't have COVID, so I'm not going to sneeze. <laughs> oh, you know what? Speaking of COVID. Oh, no. Our COVID voices are gone. Have you noticed that? I, I, I know. I know. It, huzzah. Yeah, we've got our silky smooth radio voices back. I well, am so you happy. Do. I got my I got my nasally whiny voice back. But uh, <laughs> Just kidding, folks. Just kidding. But that lingered. But, that, uh, was, uh, that, that COVID voice lasted three episodes. I couldn't believe it. It did. It yeah. did indeed. But. It, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't, it, and I would think by the afternoon, if I drank a lot of water and hot water and coffee, and yet we recorded like three, that she was like, I don't know. Just Tom Waits here. <laughs> now, uh, but, what'd you pick for the charts this week? Well, I thought I'd look at the charts from this day in 1968, and I thought, given that he was flying from America to the UK, and given that we're in London, I had to do the top five British albums. Um, and it's, a, it's an interesting batch. I, I don't know what was going They must have released a series of greatest hits albums, but number five was The Sound of Music uh, soundtrack, Doe, A Deer. Uh, number four is The Supremes' Greatest Hits. Number three is Four Tops Greatest Hits. I love Four Tops. Yeah, They're my so favorite I. Motown band. I love the Levon Stubbs, his voice. Number two, another one who I loved, and I guess this would have been just after he, he died in the plane crash, would have been Otis Redding, mm-hmm. uh, History of Otis Redding. Do you know that Brian Ferry's uh, eldest son, his first name is Otis, after Otis Redding? I didn't know that. Oh, let me ring the bell again. Get the again. bell out. Yeah, Get the bell yeah, out. There it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and number one, 
an interesting album, John Wesley Harding by Bob Dylan, which um, I don't know why it was number one. Maybe because he was doing the Isle of Wight, something. But that's the number one album in the UK on, on May the uh, May seventh, nineteen sixty-eight. Great album. Deserves to be number one, but just an odd one, you know? Yeah, interesting choice for sure. Now, we are going to, for the next uh, phase of our London trip, we're going to jump to May the 8th, 1954. And we've got a tie-in to last week's show, actually. We're going to be talking about uh, Johnny Ray, and we're going to be talking about the BBC. And you know what that means when we get talking <laughs> about the BBC, right? The one, the one thing that the BBC really do well band songs that's yeah. right so uh, stay tuned folks because we'll be right back with another song banned by the bbc <laughs> so here we are may the 8th 1954 and the BBC, in their ultimate wisdom, decided that they are going to ban the Johnny Ray song, Such a Night, after listeners complained about its suggestiveness. And, uh, you know, Johnny Ray, we said last week, was kind of the link between Frank Sinatra and the crooners and Elvis Presley. And Elvis Presley took some of his mannerisms from uh, Johnny Ray, but the song Such a Night, in fact, uh, was one of Johnny Ray's big ones, but Elvis did a fantastic, fantastic version of that, didn't he? Oh, on the Elvis's back album. I listened, when I put it in the Spotify playlist and I listened to it, I thought, oh my gosh, this is so good. So good. Yeah, I mean, Johnny Ray's version is fantastic and Elvis's is just over the top. And you know what, folks? Like the vocal gymnastics required for that song, it is a tough, tough song vocally. It's uh, so impressive. But uh, yeah, so the BBC decided... This song is just too suggestive, and they banned it. And oh, although it made number one still on the because in that time and to this day, British charts are based solely on sales. So people bought it even though they couldn't, and they they banned it, you know, because they thought it was too suggestive. And the, and the funny thing is, Johnny Ray didn't. It, he wasn't the first version. I mean, it first came out by the Drifters in '53, mm-hmm. and that was never banned, by the way. Yeah, now I have a question about, uh, did the BBC publicize its bands or did they just say it's banned and, and you can't play it on the radio? Like, because you know how that works, right? As soon as you say, don't listen to this, teenagers everywhere are going to flood to the record store and listen to it. So did they actually come out at any point and say this song is banned or was it just a pri- uh, like a private directive to radio DJs? No, it was it's public. They they used to go through two music magazines, uh, Record Mirror and New Music Express, and they would say, like for example, I, I got a quotation here: "Is it's lewd and suggestive, and because of the panting." Apparently, at some point in the song, Johnny Ray kind of pants. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I know the moment you're uh, talking about. Yeah, yeah. And they felt, you know, this is this is. You know, it's like that scene in uh, From Here to Eternity with the waves crashing against the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> we know what's going on with Deborah Kerr and Burt Lancaster, right? So um, teenagers yeah. then would have seen that and would have said, oh, I want that record, right? Yeah, I would. Yeah, well, I would have too, <laughs> for sure. 
you know, you know they used to they used to say that you know the the big joke used to be it was banned in Boston. If you said it was banned in Boston, it would go to number one, or the book would go to number one, or whatever. But I think you're right. I think teenage went, oh, Johnny Ray's been banned. I got to hear this song, right? Well, exactly. Um, so I wonder if that contributed to the uh, to the album sales. But uh, I have to talk about your side note that you put in there. <laughs> you know, the BBC decided to ban. A song by Mr. Relaxation, uh, Perry Como. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's a song called I've, I'm Always Chasing Rainbows. And I'm going to read a direct quotation from the BBC. That, and, and, and the memo said that the song, what, what the concern was that they thought it copied Chopin's Fantasy Impromptu in C Sharp Major. This is a bad perversion of a Chopin melody. It should be barred from broadcast 1946 I, I and i'm not a classical expert can you hear chopin in that song because oh, i sure mean, so can. i i was really listening to it actually to try to pick it out and i heard a little bit but i got a little bit right i'm always chasing rainbows has been covered by everybody i mean julie garland did it uh i'm trying to like a ton of people have done it i I just I was at a loss because I listened to it myself too, like like you did. Yeah. I kept thinking I'm not a Chopin, and then I actually Googled fantasy impromptu in C sharp minor, and I thought I, unless my ears are clogged still, I don't know. But um, yeah, poor so Perry funny. Como. But yeah, can you imagine like who bans Mister Relaxation? Seriously, and and because it's a bad perversion, the language. <laughs> <laughs> Is there such a thing as a good perversion? Oh, I, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, so, yeah, Mr. Relaxation. And, and Tony, you didn't mention when you talked about Elvis, his his version of of, um, of the song Such a Night only made it to number 13 in the UK. And I, I wonder, to your point earlier, if they had banned that, maybe it would have gone to number one, too. Mm-hmm. But his version, Elvis's version, are you putting the Elvis version on the playlist? I yes. Oh, good. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's our. It's there. Yeah, it's so fantastic. It's it's a what a it's one of actually now one of my new favorite Elvis performances. To be honest, it's funny. It's funny you say that. It's my, like me too. I kind of went. How have I missed this? Yeah. Like, you know. And I and then I listened to the Elvis's back album. The whole album is fantastic, by the way. And it, but that song, wow, he does a great version of that. Yeah, incredible. Now, what did you, uh, let's take a look at what you've got for the charts here. I saw that you decided to go across the pond to the U.S. Yeah, because because something is really weird about this chart. I'm going to, it's not in the top five, but I'm going to talk about it in a second. But the top five Billboard album charts, number five is, uh, I would Annie, I think it's Anne Blythe and Howard Keel, Rosemarie soundtrack. Yeah. Number four, an album that I still have, I love. Yeah, me too. Um, you have it? Yeah, yeah, you do, don't you? Yeah. Uh, Frank Sinatra, Songs for Young Lovers. Number three, Jackie Gleason, Music for Lovers Only. Do people remember Jackie Gleason? Because they don't show the Honeymooners anymore, do well, they? Well, you know what? I think most people remember Jackie Gleason probably for the Honeymooners. and But he yeah. was a, an accomplished musician, conductor as well. But yeah, he did. You know, I was listening to some of that stuff today. And it was weird, right? He took all these jazz standards and they... They recorded them with an orchestra. It's like elevator music. It, that, it's exactly what it is. Jackie Gleason does elevator music, you know. And I guess he was the the driving force behind these albums. But they were popular, and they, and there were more than one. Like he he produced well, a few. Well, that's the thing, Tony. Like this chart number 
three is Jackie Gleason. He's at number six with Tawny. And number seven, Music to Make You Misty, which is a really interesting title. But um, he has three albums in the top ten. Uh, wow. I had no no idea how big he was. I mean, my mom had his albums. I grew up with Jackie Gleason. But I didn't know that, you know, that his music was so... And I, I think he invented Muzak quite frankly. Yeah, it sure sounds like it, doesn't it? Because I was listening to it today and I'm like, wow. You know? and, and number two and one is like a Python skit. <laughs> so number two album that week was Glenn Miller plays selections from the Glenn Miller story. But number one is the soundtrack to, guess what? The Glenn Miller story. So number two <laughs> is Glenn Miller covering himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the BBC found a reason to ban that as well. No, exactly. And the other weird thing, because I was looking at the actual Billboard magazine, because I, I love, you know what? I go down this rabbit hole. I'm looking at old magazines. I get the ads and everything. Um, the top five EPs that week were Rosemary. Number five, Songs for Young Lovers at number four, Sinatra. Jackie Gleason, Highlights from Music for Lovers Only. Like it was, it was everything in the top five albums was in EP form, including Glenn Miller plays selections from the Glenn Miller story. It makes me laugh. Now, how often does that happen? That must be pretty rare. That's very rare. In fact, um, I Googled it, and that was the only time in Billboard history when the five top five EPs mirrored identically the five albums i'm ringing uh, the bell for the third time here <laughs> this like we're, we're taking <laughs> listeners back to school here today <laughs> i just want to know how many listeners are going to go and dig up some jackie gleason music now. well that's, that's right just just you know make sure you get comfortable and uh, you'll probably <laughs> fall asleep pretty quickly but uh, i was going to say listen at night so you just fall asleep because um i don't think it makes it doesn't make me misty it makes me cry, like, sleep so exactly <laughs> Now, you know what? I am just about ready for a commercial break. Um, what about you? Okay, and you've got, got to just say you found the coolest commercial. I, I mean, I think you've done yourself this week. Yeah, this is a cool one from 1968. So we shall be right back. 2001, A Space Odyssey is an epic drama of adventure and exploration which begins millions of years ago and ends with man confronting his destiny among the stars. It is a story that will sweep you across a half billion miles to the greatest of all the planets, mighty Jupiter. And even then, your journey will be just beginning. For across the light years, the stars are waiting and watching. 2001, A Space Odyssey reveals the strangeness, beauty, and wonder that may be waiting for us on the moon and planets in the year 2001. 2001, A Space Odyssey. A Stanley Kubrick production from MGM in Cinerama. 2001, A Space Odyssey. Roadshow engagement now at the Windsor Theater. The Big 610. Tony, have you ever seen 2001 Space Odyssey? Yeah, Space I've, Odyssey? I've seen it quite a few times, actually, yeah. Okay, when we're off the air, can you tell me what the ending means? Because I've seen it a few times. <laughs> I still don't know. I get, I get confused at the end. I love the movie, though. It's classic, right? It is classic, and I'll admit I don't get the ending either. It's uh, it's a little out there. When I um, saw Mickey Dolenz and Mike Nesmith a few years back, they played Toronto, and Mickey Dolenz was going to do a song from the Monkey's only movie called Head. And Mickey Dolenz says, has anyone seen the movie Head? Of course, people clap. And he goes, great. Can you tell me what it's about? <laughs> <laughs> that is the oddest, oddest movie. Head? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, even ah. the, the opening scene, like, it's bizarre. Oh, when they jump off the bridge. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird movie. Just, just but not as weird as, I mean, at least Space Odyssey isn't that weird, but the ending of Space Odyssey is kind of weird. No, for sure. Now, why are we here? We're here in 1976, and it is May the 8th still. But this, um, I love this story. This This man is my hero. Yeah, exactly. So uh, BBC Radio 1, a DJ named Johnny Walker, which, hey, there's a great name, eh? (laughs) (laughs) That's an idea. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he felt like having some Johnny Walker. So get this folks johnny walker the dj announces that he's quitting the station after being told that he must pretend to like the bay city rollers do you remember those guys yeah yes i do yeah (laughs) the new the new beatles they were called oh my gosh but i was not a bay city rollers fan i'll be the first to admit um s-a-t-u-r that's right (laughs) yeah uh, no, I and I, I admire this man because it's one thing to have to play the music, but it's another thing to pretend that you're a fan. Like I don't know why you need to do. I'm, I, I worked in radio for six years, and there was tons of music I played that if you didn't know me, you wouldn't know that I I couldn't stand. I would just you know that was so and so play it with, but you know. But um, basically, you know, the first time I saw Bass City Rollers, I don't know if you remember this show because you were much younger than I am. I keep reinforcing that. Howard Cosell tried to duplicate uh, Ed Sullivan and had a variety show on Saturday nights. Oh, really? Yeah, and believe it or not, this is before Saturday Night Live. It was called Saturday Night Live with Howard Cosell. And they did a Beatle thing where he wanted to bring the Bay City Rollers to North America. And he introduced them on the TV show. And um, they did Saturday Night and all that, of course, being Saturday Night. But they were, they were live via satellite link, and they performed... Saturday night. Um, that's the first time I ever saw them. Um, okay, I remember seeing now. You know, folks, let's just uh, clear the record here. But uh, I'm not that much younger than you. I think I'm only four years younger than you. But it is fun to <laughs> to play that up on the show. <laughs> yes, it is. It's just it's fun. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> so, um, you know, so Grandpa Badgley, though, remembers them on the uh, Howard Cassell show. And <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> With my Ovaltine. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, you know what I remember about the Bay City Rollers? I mean, I remember that song, Saturday Night, obviously. I mean, who didn't yeah. back then? I remember the outfits. Do you remember the, those? They wore the wide <sighs> pants uh, and they looked like their houses must have flooded or something because they were, um, their, their, <laughs> their pants were about three or four inches above their socks. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> okay, I'm going to I'm going to go uh, Can I digress for one sec? By all means. Okay, this is an old man rant. What is it with these young guys wearing the suits with the pants that are way too short? You must see that in Toronto. That drives me crazy. That is the most ridiculous look. Well, like you're wearing an expensive and, suit. And the jacket doesn't quite fit, too. And yeah, the jacket's but a like, bit tight, too. What is with that? Yeah. Like you look like your house just flooded or something. Like your pants yeah. hammed properly. I don't, I don't know. That's just, I digress. Yeah. Now, now, can I ask you a question? Do they, do they wear socks? Cause in Toronto they'll wear low socks. You get to see actually like nothing like skin as opposed it is to a socks. ridiculous look. I'm sorry. It is. I'm with you. I'm with you. I just, Hey, I just bought new clothes for Linda's grad. And let me tell you, my pants go down to my shoes. So. No, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, unless you're what Michael Jackson or 
maybe then you're allowed but other than that gosh just you know get your pants yeah, fitted properly off, folks yeah. there's a public service <laughs> announcement from the uh Wayback Music Machine podcast. So they had a couple of, uh, well, they, they charted quite a bit. I mean, these guys sold, it says 120 million albums. Like, I can't imagine that. They but they were popular. They were. I, I think Michelle Dorgan, who listens to the show, was a big fan of them at some point. But um, uh, they had Money, Honey, mm-hmm. I think We're Alone Now. They, they I mean, they weren't, uh, I mean, I again, I, I didn't mind Money, Honey. I could deal with that one better than Saturday Night. Um, but they were bigger in Canada than they were in the States. I, I, I noticed that they made number one on the RPM charts much more than they did on the Billboard charts. Um, do you remember? Do you? I don't know if you remember this or not, but in 1981, of course, the, 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 by this point, the, the bloom was off the rose and, and the Bay City Rollers were somewhat of a joke. And they changed the name to the Rollers. I but do in remember Canada, that. they released I... an album. You do, eh? Mm-hmm. But they released an album in a brown bag. <laughs> and it was a big question mark on the cover. I'm serious. This is true. And then no one knew what it was. And it was it was this big mystery. And you go to the record store. Do you want to spend six ninety nine on this album? And it turned out to be the Rollers album called Ricochet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very spinal spinal tapish moment, isn't it? Though yeah. is that not a spinal tap moment? <laughs> <laughs> now the other at thing, least at least Goodwill had things to sell. Well, that's right. But you know the other <laughs> thing about this band. Have you seen the list? of all the people who've been in this band. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, Remember Spinal Tap couldn't keep a drummer? Yes, that's the Bay City Rollers. Uh, I mean, there must be 30 <laughs> former members of that band, at least. It's wild. Um, and there must be 30 versions of them floating around this, the world these days, too. Yeah. Now, what, what did you uh, what you pick for the charts though? Here, this would have been what nineteen seventy six, eh? So, yeah. So I was I thought I just and, and I know I did this. I'm gonna be full 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 disclosure. I was gonna do one other chart. Then I saw what was number four, and I thought for my good friend Tony, I had to pick this chart. Oh, greatest <laughs> band name ever! <laughs> Wait, do you hear the song? Oh. Um, number five is a band called fox and a song called sss single bed which i'm sorry when i listened to it it wasn't banned but such a night was anyways yeah um number four i'm gonna give you the honor tony yeah what a great what a great band name Lori lingo and the dipsticks (laughs) and the name of the song convoy gb is that what it was called yeah, so it's a it's a British version of the song Convoy. So instead of using American references, they use British references. But the M M one and they they got instead of talking about Smokies, they talk about Chippies and all those kind of things. So well, you you put Convoy, the uh, North American version, on the Spotify playlist of what seven episodes, eight episodes ago. I remember yeah, that. There, yeah, there was yeah yeah. So this is the British version. It's Listen, if you can get through all three minutes of it, I'll, I'll, I'll buy you a Shamrock Shake next March. <laughs> <laughs> Number three is Hank Mizzle with Jungle Rock. Number two is a song I got, a, a, again, full disclosure, I, I hated the song at the time, and I hate it now. It's just, I, every time I hear it, I, get, I have to reach for, like, I'm not diabetic, but I feel I am after the song. Mm-hmm. It's so sweet. Brotherhood of Men, Save All Your Kisses for Me. Uh, I don't. Have you heard that song? Uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> it's like you remember Bobby Goldsboro. Yes. H- honey, I miss you. Oh, oh yeah. 
that saccharine like (laughs) i i i'm convinced that she never mind um number one is of course they were huge at the time uh abba with fernando yeah oh my gosh that song got a ton of airplay i remember that oh it was huge wasn't it? i mean it 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 it, it, it uh made mincemeat i think they killed the basic rollers in some bizarre way well you know what that may be not a bad thing right? <laughs> we've never talked about abba have we i know and I'll... we've never talked about the bay city rollers either so there well that's <laughs> have you okay quiz 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 you listen to a lot of radio when you're driving and stuff. Have you have you heard the Bay City Rollers on the radio in the last five years? Oh, probably not, no. No, me neither. But they were huge, and you never hear them on the oldie stations or... Like, I, I, I hear them on Irish radio. They'll play them on Irish radio because they were massive in Ireland for whatever reason. I think, I think Scotland gave them the Bay City Rollers uh, as a, a return of the bagpipes. But, um, yeah, I, I, but I never hear them in Canada. Never. No, I don't either. That's interesting that you brought that up because I hadn't really thought about it, but you're right. But they were big, Tony. They were like, I mean, you'll hear Frampton comes alive. You you were mentioning that no matter where you, you're going to hear Peter Frampton at some point during the day. Exactly. But you don't hear Bay City Rollers. So maybe we need to do a campaign of bring the Bay City Rollers back. You know what? Let's nix that idea before we get started. <laughs> <laughs> And you know okay, what? Fair enough. It is uh, time for our from Memphis to Merseyside moment. And we've, well, this time we're going to be doing a double Beatles moment because it's just, they, they tie together so nicely, don't they? So I'm going to cue up the music and we'll be right back with our from Memphis to Merseyside moment. So this is kind of like a bookend, Tony. Um, and and when you sent me the the um, you know the list of stuff that happened, I thought we need to talk about both these things. So the first one is that on May second, nineteen sixty three, the Beatles had their first number one single in the UK with a song called "From Me to You," and this would be the first of eleven consecutive number ones. Um, they didn't the, the one the, the one that broke their track record oddly enough was "Strawberry Fields Forever" in nineteen sixty seven. Engelbert Humperdinck, please release me, could not uh, be knocked out of number one. Then they went back to number one again after that. Hello, goodbye, all the way to Let It Be. So this was their first, though. And um, that's also by the name why they named their BBC radio show From Us to You, by the way. But uh, fast forward seven years later to 1970 on uh, May the um, 8th, and you have their final album, Let It Be, being released now it gets confusing it was actually recorded prior to abbey road mm-hmm. and it was originally going to be called get back um and we'll talk about that in a second and but the album came out as um let it be with a book in it and i've got the original canadian copy in the box with the book saying get back and that's a movie that you and i are going to watch when i come up to your new home yes and, um, can't wait we're gonna set aside eight hours that's right. get a big bowl of chips <laughs> <laughs> and watch uh, Get Back. That is going to be fantastic. So kind of a bittersweet week, right? It all, we, you know, we talk about this constantly on the show, but the what they did in such a short time is is astonishing. So it's, 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 I mean, that's the length of time between two Adele albums. Yeah, exactly. 
you know, and they, they from 1963 to 1970, you look at the output uh, and you see that they went in 1963 from I Want to Hold Your Hand to 1960, let's go 65 to Ticket to Ride, to 66, Got to Get You to My Life, to 67, Pepper. It's just, I mean, who could see all that coming, right? Oh, exactly. Absolutely incredible. And, you know, as a person or well, both of us who love history, I mean, so fascinating watching the metamorphosis of that band you know from a basically almost like a pop band into trendsetters like no others you know i'm surprised the bay city rollers didn't pull the same stuff <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> my cast just joined us i don't know if you can see sunshine oh yeah there there us. she is yep um you know i'm surprised they didn't go forward from money honey <laughs> <laughs> that's right could resist it, Tony. Could no, I know it. you couldn't. And you know what? Uh, since you brought up the Bay City Rollers yet again, <laughs> let's. Go. This is the end of our road trip. But uh, <laughs> what a fun trip this was! I haven't laughed like this in a little while, so that was fantastic. We needed a good laugh, and I know that you've got everything settled in your in your houses. And and uh, congratulations! I'm really happy for you and Cynthia. And I look forward to coming up and seeing your new home in the summer. I cannot wait either. And you know what? Let's do some props for some people who are involved in the podcast here. So first first of all, uh, I'd like to thank Rick Denis, who does all the music that you hear today in the background. Uh, Rick's a good friend of mine. And so uh, music for today's episode provided by Rick Denis. And uh, as always, such a pleasure for you and I to chat. I mean, we do chat every day, but to be able to sit down like this and talk music is so much fun. And folks, we really appreciate you letting us into your headphones as always. And if you only do one thing, you know, tell a friend about the show and uh, onwards and upwards, as they say, where are we headed, Aaron? To the toppermost of the poppermost, as John Lennon used to say. (laughs) Look that one up, fans. It's a good one. (laughs) It is a good one. So folks, thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next week.